Today on Ag News Daily. So the FFA organization is definitely something that has been knit into my story long before I was even born. But I would say that I have two really big encouragers in my life. January 5th, staring down a Thursday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney here to bring you the latest headlines and a fun conversation today. Delaney, we got a little snow overnight. I didn't expect it to accumulate much, but uh, I had at least an inch on my driveway. I was just thinking the same thing. A nice light dusting yesterday or overnight. Yeah, made things a little slick for early morning commute, but other than that, kind of made it look a little bit more like winter instead of the dark black dirt covered snowbanks that we've experienced here as some of the melt happened the last couple of days. Yeah, those have been really ugly to drive by and just see mounds of sand and dirt and snow all mixed together from all the blowing we had during Christmas. Yeah, I know there's sparked a lot of debate on social media around, you know, the whole full till, no till, minimum till, strip till conversations about how that's alarming, and we should pay attention to the amount of dirt that is in our ditches and on our snowbanks, uh, but certainly has caused for a little bit of entertainment over the last couple of weeks. It certainly has. Certainly has. Because there hasn't been much else to talk about as far as news goes, has there? No, that's that's true. And actually, weather's pretty light. I mean, we've got a potential for another large snowstorm coming in the next 10 days. But for today, light snow is expected here to continue to fall in east central Iowa, headed the Illinois direction. Uh, we talked about the strong winds coming in the southern plains off of the rainstorm that popped up from the Gulf. Continuing to look at sustained winds in those areas of 25 miles per hour. Of course, it's winter, so we'll see if we get some more pop-up snow. But otherwise, the forecast looks pretty quiet for the headlines that I had seen. Yes, I had the same as far as weather goes here in the United States. Of course, we're still watching to see what weather shakes out to be in South America because markets are definitely reacting to every rainfall or lack of rainfall we see going on in Argentina and Brazil. But I'm going to stay in Brazil here for just a moment because as we have, of course, the new incoming administration there with President Lula taking back over into office and Bolsonaro heading out of office, Brazil posted a $62.3 billion trade surplus in 2022, according to official trade data released on Monday. In December alone, the trade surplus was $4.8 billion. That exceeded the forecast by about not quite $2 billion. So Brazil proved to have a very strong export and uh, trade surplus in December specifically. But a lot of folks are saying that's because of the fact that Bolsonaro and his government were the ones leading the charge here. And it's going to be interesting. A lot of folks are watching to see, does that trend continue now with the new office stepping into uh, the main seat there? Yeah, I hadn't picked up on that headline, but it will be something that I think will have a substantial effect on our listeners here is that new office continues to take power and continue to push their agendas. Talking about pushing some cargo into California, the feds have ruled that Union Pacific Railroad needs to honor their specific service commitments to the Foster Poultry Farm in Livingston, California. I don't know if you saw that headline, Delaney, but for a second there, I was caught off guard that Union Pacific would have a direct contract with a farm. But when you look at the farm size, they feed between 40 and 50 million chickens 
at facilities in California's San Joaquin Valley. So uh, buying truckloads of corn is not effective, but they are having to do that right now as they await grain trains to get into the valley. So federal regulators have now ordered the railroad to honor their service agreement. This order comes from the U.S. Surface Transportation Board and was a response to Foster Farms' December 29th petition for emergency service. They are seeking the board's assistance to ensure that the supply of grain does not break and they need it as necessary to fill their feed requirements for these millions of birds. Uh, the railroad responded that last month's extreme cold and blizzard conditions is what slowed deliveries to 23 of or 20 of their 23 western states and that is the main issue there railroad spokesperson spokesperson said problems at foster farm should improve once five trains hauling corn that direction already in route arrive they stated this is not due to shortage of crews and was a weather delay delaney well tanner yesterday the fed met for their January meeting, and the consensus really was that the Fed should slow their pace of raising interest rates with smaller rate hikes, but potentially staying elevated for a longer period of time. It sounds like that has been the large consensus among traders as well, as they have continuously underestimated the Fed's willingness to raise interest year interest rates this past year. But in 2023, it sounds like they're going to have perhaps a little bit less aggressive approach with smaller hikes, but staying elevated, which the elevated part, I think, was a little bit of a surprise for some folks coming out of those meeting minutes yesterday. Yeah, it was. But however, the Agriculture Confidence Index, especially the survey results that just returned here at the end of December, look to still be positive. The current farmer-focused index is at an optimistic 1118 for perspective, that's up from a 105.8 in the spring and a 98.5 in December of 2021. So the neutral there again, listeners, is 100. So anything above 100 is considered a positive index. This survey was conducted with more than 500 farmers and ranchers who identified as being part decision, being part of the de- major decision-making team on their operations. As these scores were put together, the month-over-month results for November to December did show a highly optimistic score of 162.1 up from 169, or I'm sorry, down from 169.8 a year ago. So even though as they sat in December while taking their their survey, they were very optimistic. Now, ag retailers are saying that there are future concerns in the market. So that feeling of positiveness from our listeners, the producers, Delaney, the surveyed commodity industry, as well as suppliers of fertilizer, fuel, seed, and other inputs have an expectation level of an 84.8. So I thought that was the biggest thing to pull out of this article that producers may be feeling positive about the ag industry, but retailers right now have a below 100 score, which is not positive there. That could be dependent upon supply chain issues. Um, A lot of different things were cited in this survey, but the most optimistic people were where, Delaney? Where do you think the most optimistic farmers Mm -hmm. are? I mean, I'm, I'm, thinking on this one maybe somewhere out, i was gonna say out west at first like california but no because they've been having a lot of crappy weather that's really been the driver of it it is the midwestern states yeah. the southern western 
The Southern and Western producers were well below 100 with index scores of 86 and 87.4 due to their drought concerns, like you were speculating. East Coast were hovering right around that 100, but the high optimistic index in the Midwest of 124.5 is what drug that rate up. So a lot of numbers in that article, Delaney, but the, the basis of it is the confidence for producers right now is above average, above neutral retailers have a little bit of worry going into the next growing year. Well, part of their reason behind being a little more confident this year may be because of fertilizer prices that are continuing to finally deflate after we saw some crazy uh, trends there for quite some time. For the second week in a row, retail fertilizer prices have shifted considerably lower according to DTN's fertilizer tracker for the final week of December. All eight major fertilizers were once again less expensive compared to last month. Half of the fertilizers significantly lower, which is anything more than a 5% move. Potash was 8% lower compared to the month prior. Both urea and anhydrous were 6% less expensive. And so the trend may be continuing, Tanner, here to really go back down the other way as producers are looking to lock in inputs for 2023. Yeah, that is good news to see those prices slide in the favor of the producer. I'm headed back to California for my next headline. We obviously just reported here that uh, our many times discussion around the drought levels in California, but they've got above average snowpack. So according to the report that came out of December, their snowpack for this time of year is 174% of normal snow water equivalent level. That is still not the full usage for the entire snowpack prior to April 1st, but that's a great step forward after the heavy precipitation fell in December of 2022. Of course, this runs all the way through April 1, so they have plenty of time to amass other storms and get that built up. But the biggest importance here is that snowpack, Delaney, is what really guides roughly uh, 30% of the total water usage from that snowpack is used for agriculture. So if they can get that level built back up, that means our producer listeners in California will be able to get the water necessary for their crops. Looking here, the state will be roughly two thirds of the way now through that snowpack estimate with three months left to continue to build that. That would be great and much needed relief Unfortunately, some of the heavy rainfall that came while this snowstorm hit did cause flooding and produced one death reported. But the positive side here is if they can continue up this wet pattern, wet weather pattern through the winter seasons, it may provide a great growing opportunity for producers in the spring and summer of 2023. Well, Tanner, hopefully in the spring and summer of 2023, we don't see farmland prices quite as high as they were here in 2022, but we have some interesting data coming to us from 2022 land auctions. According to Farmers National Company, land auctions in 2022 were record-setting sales, as we have reported on the Ag News Daily podcast. But all in all, farmers won about 75% of the farmland auctions in 2022, the other 25% going to investors, commercial real estate, and other uh, institutions there. But of those 75 76% sales that did go to farmers, we had some really high-quality land and some record-setting prices, Tanner. So hopefully it'll be interesting to see what we see here in 2023. But the Federal Reserve reported farmland values 
rose between 20 to 34% across the Corn Belt from 21 to 22. Will we see that trend continue here into 2023? I think is a good question to ask. Yeah, that's a significant jump there. That is uh, a very big, I seen, I had paid attention to that article as well. Some neat statistics in there about who bought the land and what state had the highest land values for our listeners to go check out. The last piece of news that I have for today is the first of seven ag-specific satellites went into orbit, courtesy of SpaceX. And Dragonfly Aerospace launched their first imaging satellite from the SpaceX launch site in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Its name is EOS Sat 1, pretty clever in my opinion. That is first of seven satellites that will be launched over the next three years to be its first in kind constellation that will focus on imaging data and collection for agriculture. Constellation will maintain a low earth orbit and collect imagery of farms, farm ground and livestock. The goal of collecting high quality data for crop monitoring, application mapping, soil moisture, yield prediction and biomass level monitoring. The company states that the SAT-1 is equipped with two dragon eye electro optical imagers that will provide 27 mile wide paths as it orbits the earth. It will now produce 11 spectral bands of close to a 1 million point resolution. That's a pretty good camera there Delaney. A lot higher resolution than the iPhone has, of course. This is a momentous achievement for Dragonfly Aerospace, and they are thrilled to be able to start launching these items. So it'll be fun to monitor the launch of the rest of the six of this constellation and to see what benefit it does provide to our farmers down here on Earth. Yeah, that's an interesting interesting headline, Tan. I'm not sure what to make of it all. Yeah, exactly. But that's all I've got for today. Is it time to jump into the markets? I think it certainly is, Tanner, here at, right at the opening bell. Markets are opening up lower um, pretty much across the grain markets, except for wheat. March corn down a penny and a quarter in the overnight will open here at the opening bell at 652 and a half. Opening bell in Dece corn, 594. March soybeans will ring in at 1479, down four and a half in the overnight. November soybeans down four and a half as well in the new crop at 1386 and a quarter. Hard red March Chicago wheat was unchanged in the overnight. Will open at 8:40 and three quarters. And livestock here, right at the opening bell, are trading a little higher. 157.27 in the February live cattle contract, a dollar 88.22 and a half in the March feeder cattle contract, and February lean hogs at 84.07 and a half. Tanner, fill us in on who we're talking to for today's interview. Yeah, this was fun. We got to dive into the FFA world. It'll be a great conversation for our listeners, but let's get right to it. What a fun interview today, getting a conversation here with one of the young leaders in agriculture. It's always fun to share perspective there. We have Karsten Cantrell here. She is the Central Region Vice President for FFA. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have this conversation. It's always good to get a perspective here. Fresh one at the beginning of 2023. But let's start off here for our listeners. Where are you from? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you said, my name is Karsten Cantrell. I'm from the great state of Oklahoma in a tiny little town called Collinsville 
where I've spent the entirety of my life on a fourth generation cow-calf operation in the northeast part of the state. Um, so I've been a part of our Hereford Ranch for as long as I can remember. And those opportunities just growing up on a ranch really allowed me to thrive and grow in the FFA organization. Hey, Karsten, Jennifer here. And I just want to touch a little bit on how you were able to develop yourself to reach this position, because reaching the goal of a national FFA officer is something that many members dream of, but is very hard to achieve. That's a great question. Something that I would say is so much growth. You know, our organization is so large and so unique. We have 850,823 members across the United States. So I would say just having a growth mindset, being able to walk through challenges and the joys and discomforts of our organization really allowed me to find success. You know, like I said, we're such a unique and diverse organization is that there's so many opportunities for everyone. And I was able to try out different opportunities throughout my FFA career, which ultimately led me to finding different leadership positions and opportunities that I grew through. So that's exciting for some of our listeners who maybe never had the opportunity to be in FFA or or even have an officer's role. What What is your role as VP? As a national FFA officer, I have the really awesome opportunity to travel the nation and get to have conversations and represent our organization on a much broader scale. So this year, I'll be doing a lot of different things like traveling to state FFA conventions and to give keynotes and workshops. I'll get to meet a lot of our partners and sponsors that work directly with the organization just to talk more about um, what the organization does and how we are growing. Um, but ultimately, we get to be a voice for students and we get to have those conversations and we get to spark those passions and just really get to grow with FFA members so that they know that they have a place. Um, you know, for me, I grew up on the farm. So being in production agriculture in the livestock industry was really important to me. But I had really close, close friends who loved turf grass management, who wanted to be a part of the veterinary science CDE. Um, there are just so many other opportunities. And so I'll have the opportunity just to walk through those conversations and really get to um, spark that passion within FFA members. Yeah. And within that position, you have so many more duties coming up. Um, now that we've started the new year, you mentioned earlier to me that you have the opportunity to start doing chapter visits. What does that entail? And what do you do when you're visiting all of the members in their classrooms? Something really cool about chapter visits is that we're at the disposal of what the chapter needs. So I know there will be times where we walk into a classroom um, and their agricultural education advisor would just like us to bring remarks about you know, how to be involved in the FFA and what are opportunities for people to directly become involved with. But there will be a lot of other chances for us to give leadership workshops to talk about the different skills that we've gained throughout the organization and how FFA members can find applicable ways to find success and leadership. So definitely going through chapter visits this month is going to be a very eye-opening experience and a way that we really get to grow with those FFA members in a very close, tight-knit setting. Two questions that are going to come here back to back after you answer the first one. I, I want to go clear back into the beginning with young Carson. How, how did you get started in FFA? <laughs> you know, the FFA is deep in my blood. Just over the last holiday season, I got together with my family and we had over 20 FFA members in our family and we all brought out our FFA jackets. So the FFA organization is definitely something that has been knit into my story long before I was even born. But I would say that I have two really big encouragers in my life who really sparked that passion for me. And that would be my dad and my brother. Um, so the same town that I grew up in, my dad was the chapter president of. 
and he just continued to grow our family ranch. So as I worked through the 4-H organization, I was able to find a deeper passion as I worked through high school and middle school into being in the FFA where I had an older brother, um, three years older, who was a chapter officer. He showed cattle, he gave speeches. He was a part of a lot of different career development events and leadership development events. So I just had two really great people who set really big expectations and big goals for me to allow that I could walk through. And so I definitely found that passion for the FFA because of my family. But I would say that I continue to find that passion every single day as I just grow through who I want to be as a person. You know, the FFA is an organization that wants to develop the next generation of leaders. And I've been able to find success and been able to find growth. And it's something that I want to continue working through every single day so that one day, hopefully my future children have the same opportunities or similar experiences for that growth and leadership development. That's a really good point. And then part two of the question, you know, based upon how well-spoken you are and the experiences you're getting, what do you want to be when you grow up? I will be returning to the classroom in January of 2024 as a senior at Oklahoma State University. And I am an agricultural communications major with a minor in legal studies. So I have really high hopes to one day enter a law program, um, go to law school, and maybe see how I can represent agriculture and agricultural policy on a much broader scale. I'm sure taking a year off from studies is scary, but definitely going to be worth it in the end, as I can attest that without my FFA journey in high school and throughout my past year and a half in college, I wouldn't be where I am in pursuing my goal in my career either. And so I'm sure over this next year within your national vice president position, you will gain so much that will help you throughout the rest of your career path. For sure. So as we look to potentially get towards the end of this conversation here, our listeners are going to be curious, what is uh, something that we haven't covered yet that you're most excited about coming up in 2023? Something I think is really important that um, the officer team is going to get to have a hand in is just a lot of travel and getting to see a lot of different unique perspectives um, and experiences. So something really cool is that our team will actually be leaving to go to South Africa on a cultural experience in five weeks. And we'll have an opportunity just to represent the FFA on a different type of platform and get to have conversations with leaders in the agricultural industry in South Africa and areas um, and just really get to grow those skills and, you know, having conversations in diverse environments that we can bring back and to continue to equip our FFA members with. So as national officers, we have the opportunity to work with the National FFA um, State Officer Summit. We'll get to work with state FFA officers and bring different perspectives as we continue to grow um, the next term of state FFA officers this summer. So I would just say I'm very excited um, and looking forward to having conversations and growing myself so that I can continue to grow people around me. That sounds amazing, like an amazing opportunity to visit South Africa and also get to bond with all of the national or the rest of the state officers that are representing the associations as well. And Karsten, we just want to thank you for taking the time today to join us on our podcast. Thank you so much. If our listeners want to learn more about the FFA organization or your journey, what's the best way for them to follow you? Definitely go to FFA.org to find more about um, what our organization represents um, and ways that you can be involved. But to directly contact um, and get to keep up with my journey, I have an FFA Instagram account. It's NFFACVP. 
So to repeat, that's N-F-F-A-C-V-P. Carson Cantrell, that's my FFA Instagram account. So you can see more about where I'm traveling, what I'm doing and ways that I'm getting to bond with partners and FFA members. Awesome. Thanks again. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, there you go. It's always fun to listen to the youth of the ag industry and especially young leaders that could show and have a direct impact on the future of agriculture going Yes, you never know. One of them could be on the Ag News Daily podcast as a co-host, replacing one of us someday. Or our boss. Oh, that's Definitely that's it. weird. That's a weird <laughs> thought. Weird thought. Yes, but very true. Oh, listeners, we appreciate you being our boss and giving us direction as to where we should head with these interviews. Keep sending those ideas to us and connecting with us on social media. But Delaney, for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 